Hello, welcome to the Potters Podcast. And it's been an interesting week this week. There's been a lot of stuff that's been happening around Stoke. But the main topic that everyone's been talking about because it happened last night was the Robbie Williams concert. And everybody was there, except me, because I don't go near that ground, Anne. So, what do you reckon to that? It's going well at the moment for the Vale. Well, I actually thought to myself, you know what? Um, how can I put this? What do I do? Do I go to the Robbie Williams concert, which is great for charity, and all credit to them for that, or to him for that. Uh, but um, the Platinum Jubilee pageant was on, and I thought I'd rather watch that. So um, that's what I watched, and with the odd exception, I thought it was excellent. So uh, well done, Robbie, for having the concert. Um, well done, the Queen, for um, reaching the Platinum. Oh, it's a great for both, isn't it, really? Robbie Williams coming back to Stoke and putting a show on at put it Vale Park. And I mean, I didn't think it would be able to hold that many people because, you know, 20,000, it's never seen that lot like before, except yeah, when Stoke's here. on the ground, not on the seats, so don't, you know, don't go overboard. I don't, to be honest, there's more there than there was when they got promoted. Yes, now you're being bitter and twisted and you're supposed to leave me to do this, but... Um... I'm not going to. Good luck to them. As I say, it was for charity. Um, roll on next season. And uh, come on, everybody who plays against them. Well, you, t- <laughs> well, you turned the Twitter and bested round there, didn't you, really? <laughs> well, I, I'm not a bit interested. But, you know, look, I can't help it. We've had these discussions before. You pretend you like them. I don't. I don't like the veil. That's quite obvious I don't like the veil. I just hate Arsenal more. That's That's just what it works like. Right, so there has been a great unveiling this week. Of course, the all the kits have been unrevealed a day after each other with different shorts and socks combinations. What do you think? Of- uh, red and white striped shirts, very much a red and white striped shirt. Uh, I suppose we've jazzed it up a bit. The away kit with the sash, I think, is... It reminds me of a very good team we had in the late 70s, early 80s. So, for me... That's brilliant, but I think I like it more because of it reminds me of some good times. And the black kit's a black kit, and I would like us to have a little bet, uh, unrehearsed, unprepared, about how many times we'll wear the black kit and how many times we'll wear the white kit. So, starting off with the black kit, Ian, how many times do you think we'll wear that this season? Eight, and this is in league and cup matches. Oh, eight. Right, okay, well, I'm going for seven. And the white kit? About 12, 12, 14. I'll go for 10. And then, of course, the home kit. Eh, well, I think that's 26, isn't it? You've gone for 26. I'm going for 32. Um, obviously, while we're talking about the kit, you can order it at the moment with no sponsor on if you want to. You know we've done this thing where you can buy the kits with no sponsors for the last couple of years. You can still do that. If you've got a couple of kids, or even if you've got one kid, they're all going to want all three strips. could be a bit pricey, more than the cost of a season ticket. Well, it is, especially with all the combinations. But that's the good thing. that They've made it out like if you do buy the socks and and shorts, as I say, you know, you can mix and match, as they've been saying. The, The home kit can have red shorts and red socks, black socks, black shorts. So it's a real continental combination with it this time with Macron. And everyone knows I'm not a big fan of Macron. I don't like the way they do the sleeves and I'm not a fan of their badge at all because they're a bit jazzy, aren't they? And But I think they've got the home kit really bang on this year. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the kit's a kit to me. Um, what What's inside it matters and how well they play. 
but yeah, look, we, at least it's better than some of the kits we've had. The training gear, I'm not uh, neither here or there about it. Uh, goalie tops, I think we need to address the fact that Ian's splashed out on a uh, goalie top. Oh yeah, they have. They're a lovely pink number. I've, I've had it. I've got to be honest, it's on pre-order. I can't wait for it to come. Um, I'm probably going to get a few eyelids raised, but I've lost weight, so I can actually pull off pink now. And I think it suits the taller man, which I am, at being six foot one and a half. So, you know, it's, it's a nice kit. They're, they're a bit jazzy, aren't they? They're a bit colourful. But you like them a bit more traditional, don't you, Anne? I do, and the reason I like them a bit more traditional is uh, the practical element. If you're coming out as a goalkeeper for a free kick or a corner and a pink six-foot-one, I've recently lost some weight, splodge comes swirling through and pulls somebody's shirt as he does, he's going to be picked up. Whereas if um, a six-foot-one splodge of green, he just looks like a divot from the turf and he'll get away with it. Well, that's a big divot, Anne. Six foot one. It is a big divot, but I know the size of your feet. And if you are on the pitch with your fourteen shoes, uh, people are going to worry. <laughs> well, especially if I'm kicking up four foot three, uh, six foot eight <laughs> lumps of grass. Out of bed. <laughs> I think Mr. Coates would worry about that. Hey, what's going on with our grass? But it's yeah. been it's been, it's been an interesting week, just not because of the veil and that. But there's been, you know, a lot of talk. With our with our fan, fan group, we've got fans now. Apparently, Andrew, you've all got in touch about what we're doing with the transfers and what yeah, they Jeremy, believe. Jeremy started it off by saying he thinks we need to make a minimum of four signings, and and for those, it's a right back, a holding midfielder, a, a wide forward or a winger, and a centre forward. Tim also said, "Well, hang on a minute, we need a goalkeeper as well." I, I'm of the opinion that we need another goalkeeper. Um, although I do think you'll probably stick with Bursic as uh, as the goalkeeper. What are your thoughts? Um, I think he's pretty much right with that. I mean, we're obviously going to do something for next week to keep people more entertained and keep getting involved with the Stoke conversation here with us on the podcast. But I think he's pretty much right. I, I don't trust Bursic. I don't think Bonham's good enough. And I think Fielding, at this moment, in my opinion, is actually the most viable for the number one shirt. Yeah. With his experience. And it's, you know, Bezik, I personally believe he's a lone spell. I think I covered that last week. But, you know, holding midfielder, I think midfield is the most important part that we need to fix this season. I think Baker's been a good addition, but we need two players, well, one player, especially a holding midfielder alongside him, just to keep that cover. Because I think there's been a lot of times that last season where, we, where teams were breaking away from us and there was no real true gap between the midfield and the defence, which was making them very exposed. In the modern game, you need holding midfielders. You need enforcers. Yeah, Mark agrees that uh, we need a right-back, a left-back, a holding midfielder and a winger. And he thinks we should uh, play a variety or a variant of 4-3-3. But I worry, Ian, because I don't think we've got a focal point in attack. However hard Campbell works, and we know he's working now before the start of the season, and however good Brown was last season... I don't think they're capable of being the focal point of our attack, do you? Um, no. Uh, I think on the ground, um, Jacob Brown's a good hold-up man, but in the air, no. Um, I've said before, and, I'll, and it's my pick, definite pick, it's, it's Harris. Um, Harris from recently relegated Petersburg, Peter United. I think he's my choice. Proven in the air, very good goal scorer, because that's what I think what we need most. I mean, Jacob Brown's had a great season. 
for what's happened, 14 goals, won't it in all competition, well, in just the championship. And I think that might have been one of them seasons that, you know, happens one, what maybe one one season out of 10, you never know, he might hit might eight next season. We don't know. But, he, but for me, I think we need somebody who's got that proven record of it in the back of the net. And I think he's the best choice around at the moment for us. That's who I'd go for, because I think he'd be a good knock-on man as well and feed Brown into the game. Yeah, you look at the team though, um, we played predominantly a, a 3-5-2 because he felt, Michael O'Neill felt in my opinion, that our defenders, our full-backs couldn't defend. So I think we need full-backs that can defend, we need full-backs full stop for me. And then you can use the 3-5-2 as, as a backup plan. But I, I just I just wonder about the midfield. We talked about the midfield a lot last week and we talked about keeping Vrancic and, and maybe Sawyers. But you need another really good workhorse centre midfielder like Thompson. And we haven't got any wingers. So if you want to change the formation, you've got to get wingers. Yeah, it's, it's key. This is why I said at the end of last season, not last season, the season before, that I would make a move for Rabi Matondo on a permanent basis. Now, he's gone to... Circle Bruges, I think, in the Belgium top flight, and he's actually a very Circle Bruges, yeah. yeah, he's had a very productive season there, and he's got fourteen assists or something like that, and three or four goals, which means he's improving. But he was only eighteen, nineteen at the time. Anyway, I think he's a player that's got lost in in abroad, similar to Josh Maggi, and I think we should have gone for him. I think he would have been a great addition to the bench or as a squad member that we can slowly bring through, that Michael O'Neill says many a time he likes doing. He could have been a winger on the right or the left, because for me, I think we've got a good right winger anyway in Tyrese Campbell. I think he really played his best stuff just off the right of Stephen Fletcher last season. So, yeah, a left winger is key, but I think we've got a left winger there in the making in Dowerty, because he's played at Cardiff as a left winger, anti. So winger's first choice. I think we have got him. It's just I think we need another man to come in as backup if one of them gets injured or as a bet is an option off the bench, which would be Matondo for me. Well, you've talked about Alfie Doughty, and uh, I I liked him because he could have sat on the bench at Stoke and done nothing, but he chose to get game time and go at Cardiff and. Till he got the two injuries at Cardiff, everybody thought he was really, really good. And I hope he... Look, he was a risk when we bought him. He's obviously got hamstring problems. But I, I think he'll come good this season. And let's hope he does. Because we can't magic the money to get the players through the door that we want. That will be certain starters for our team. And more importantly, certain starters that improve us. Uh, we can't spend big fees on, on, um, on getting players in. Uh, we'd probably only be able to spend on on wages, so uh, that in itself is uh, is probably where you've got to look. And if you can't spend big fees, then who are you going to get in? Well, that's the thing. It's going to have to be loans and in signings, isn't it? It's going to be... I've always believed that getting defenders on loans always a bit of a negative, unless you're going to get them on a permanent basis. I think where you need your loan signings is in the attacking areas, more wingers and forward players I mean for me I, if we're going to talk about loans we've, we've got to mainly talk about Liam Delap. I think it's time for him come here um, he's completely fell out of favour at Man City apparently he's not even first choice for the academy at the moment in the under 21s he's, he's dropped he's lost his place there to Cole, Cole Palmer is it who's, who's really impressed and got six appearances last season for City so it does come into play that we've got to take advantage of the loan markets 
And I've always believed that you always get young lads who are ready for you rather than players who have lost the way yeah. to come in because, they, you know, they, they when they come in on loan in the 27-28, they know they've got no future at the club. They're only here till the end of the season. And I think they lose that motivation, whereas a young lad is trying to impress to get back to that club he's at and get in their first team. You talk about players coming in that have lost their way. I can think of one player, well, I can think of several players, but I can think of one player that came in who lost his way at another club and didn't do bad for us, and that was Mark Steen. Yeah, he's, he's one player, yeah. Um, but he was still playing, though, wasn't he, Andrew? When he came to Stoke from Luton once, it was Luton. Yeah. Yeah, it was Luton. He, he was still playing, though. Well, he was first choice, but he wasn't He wasn't scoring like he did for Stoke. But he never did that again in his career anyway, the, the amounts of goals he scored. It was just one of them connections with Alou McCarty, wasn't he? Who did always yeah, get the best yeah, out of his strikers, well, wasn't he? Look, we've gone the route... It's a, I'm sitting here saying we can't throw money at people to, to make certain that they come in and have the impact we want. But Huddersfield managed to uh, do well this season. I think they'll also do what Barnsley did um, next season. I think they'll struggle. But Huddersfield, and, and to a certain extent, Notts Forest did it without spending too much money. You need to get, you need to buy in winners, but you need luck as well. And um, that goes not just in terms of the players you sign but in terms of injuries and stuff like that too and Stoke are due a bit of luck we haven't had any luck for a few seasons have we I don't and I know you say you make your own luck but we still haven't had any we, we've never had any luck Andrew as a football club <laughs> we, we built as greatest ever team in the second world war stopped that and then you know we've built the second greatest team in a massive sta- the only uninsured stand blew down and cost us that team as well so you know we've never been a lucky football club let's be honest but I think it, it yeah. does. It, yeah, for me, you make you do make your own luck by narrowing the margins down. And I've said before that when we look at the players that we are being linked to, and the players which we're going to talk about later, by the way, as well, the linked players. I'm not impressed. But we we're, we've got to be more. We've got to be more sporadic when it comes down to signings and, and look where players are in form. I mean, this is a question we'll put to you and put to the listeners as well. When was the last time we brought a striker in? that was actually in form? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. When was it? 1863? Um, I don't think it's... I'm trying to think. I think the only striker we brought in who was in form, and this is going back a way while when I was young, which was not that long ago, um, Chris Greenacre was the only one yeah, I Yeah, who then think. suddenly lost his form. Yeah, yeah. So it, it can go both ways. I'm not sitting here saying it can't, but... You know, we've had a lot of players in the past that we've brought in going, oh, well, you know, remember five years ago, he was banging goals in. Let's get him in. And it's, and let's be honest, nine times out of ten, it doesn't work. You drop one every now and again, like, you know, the great Mark Sharon. You know, he dropped from City where he couldn't buy a game and hit form at Stoke. But I think that was him moving from his first club to his second and, and he just hit form and then never recovered it again when he left Stoke. Again, that's down to Lou Macari. And we talked to the, where you mentioned Nottingham Forest, and you looked at Nottingham Forest before Cooper took over, they were garbage. Let's be honest, we beat them, everybody else was beating them. I think they lost the first five games, didn't they, Forest this season? Yeah. And then Cooper jumps in and completely turns them round and has got them in the Premier League. Yeah, and you could look at Sheffield United too. They started off dreadfully and just missed out. A lot of that, I think, is also... And Huddersfield, I think they were the luckiest team in the league last season. Certainly twice against us, they were lucky to end up both matches with 11 men, but 
um, we are where we are. And, and talking about um, teams and how well they've done uh, and about formations, last season I thought we looked our best as an attacking team when we played that 4-2-3-1 and Ty was on the right and Nick Powell was playing like a number 10. But that depends on... Uh, Tyrese being fully fit and he's doing training now presumably to get back to where we all hoped he would be last time and it, it depends on Powell not getting injured and uh, and for me the chances of Powell not getting injured are, are quite remote because he, he sets up and he plays uh, he likes to how can I put it get his body between people and he also almost says go on come and kick me up in the air doesn't he yeah yeah he, do, he invites his own injuries doesn't he very similar to Dimitar Berbatov when he started getting niggly injuries at United because he, he just used to stop and wait for people fouling <laughs> to get free kicks. Um, the, the problem is, though, and this is the where, where we're going to talk about the forward line now and where we think we need improvements. Now, I'm saying that the problem is with us is that when Nick Powell's injured, who comes in to play in that role? Well, I'm waiting for your answer to this one. Well, I'm asking you because he was injured for a lot of times last season. Who sort of took his role when he had those injuries? Well, nobody, be, because there isn't somebody to take that role. Nick Powell plays that role better. Well, we haven't got anybody to replace him. And I don't know who would replace him, if I'm being honest, but it certainly wouldn't be Vrancic or Sawyers. Well, that's the person who did replace him once. It was Vrancic. Yeah. And to be fair, Vrancic is a player that, yes, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't have kept hold of. I would have said, thanks for what you've done, the season's enough, especially for the, the money he's on as well. But, you know, we need a, a, a prospect, don't we, to play behind him as a cam. And when he does get injured, this young lad can sort of step in. And then maybe at the end of the season we go, thanks, Nick, for what you've done. But this young lad's a better player. He's more consistent in, and he's never injured. That's, for me, where we've got to look. And, and we've mentioned it before about, like, you know, when Man United, when, not Man United, Liverpool, if, or no, they, well, no, they're going to lose Salah and Mane. So what they're doing is they're getting replacements in before to get them used to the way they play. So when these players do go, they can replace them with Diaz and Jota. I feel Stoke need to start following that mould at a lower level and start looking cleverly at where we can do it. For me, I thought Adam Porter was going to eventually come in to replace that, but obviously his time at Stoke's come to an end. There's a young lad at Shrewsbury, I can't remember his name, I actually should have researched it, but I don't, I, there's a young lad who's come from non-league, went to Mansfield, gone to Shrewsbury and plays just behind striker and has improved every year he's, he's moved up. He, for me, is one I'd look at, but I don't know how much that'd cost. I know he's got one year left on his deal. Um, but that's the way we've got to start looking into it. We've got to start looking for the for these younger players that can maybe overtake the ones that are in the first team at the moment. Yeah, but you've also got to um, have a squad. I can't keep emphasising this enough. You've got to have a squad that stays mostly fit, and we didn't. I mean, Suter's going to come back. And we want him to be as good as he was when he went out or better. Is that realistic? It certainly wasn't realistic for Tyrese Campbell after his injury. Campbell, we're hoping, is going to be back to better than he was. Powell, we're hoping he's going to be back to, to as good as he was. Um, then you've got Yagi Elka. Can he keep up what he did while he was with us? Who um, was that on? Who? Yagi Elka. Isn't that where we say it now? <laughs> And then you've got to look at the goalkeepers, and I'm still not 100% convinced. What is DiMaggio Wright Phillips going to improve? Is Doughty going to not be injured? Is your mate Ben Wilmot going to be any good? 
uh, is Connor Taylor going to make the grade? Is Forrester going to make the grade? Even with all those, you still need a new defensive midfielder because Jordan Thompson started to get injured. We don't know how bad that injury does. We haven't got any fullbacks as far as I'm concerned. And we still need that striker. And then if you go past that, Ian, you've got to develop a, a mentality of winners. And Michael O'Neill has said that youngsters drop off in form and stuff. And some of the low knees we, we, we got dropped off in form. But ultimately, you've got to have winners in your team. And I'm not sure we've got winners in the team. After that, we've had some diabolical refs. But then you look at refs everywhere and they seem diabolical. It's It's... You're lucky if you get get promoted. Yeah, you're right, and the re- I think one of the biggest reasons is this: when it comes down to Stoke and the first eleven compared to the others, when you say winners, um, I can't remember which coach it was. Was it Nicky Butt who used to work with United but recently left? Um, he came out and talked to the press about why he feels United have dropped off a cliff, and it's not the United podcast. I'm just using an example, and he said that Paul Pogba would play poorly. And know that he's played poorly, but didn't care because he knew he wasn't going to get dropped from the team. Yeah, I can imagine that. And because there's no, you know, retroactive response from the manager to go book your ideas up. And for me at the moment, it's like Joe Allen. He plays every week. doesn't matter how well he plays, he's in the team. And I'm wondering if we're because, the reason why we're stagnating is it because it's similar to that where... Because we haven't got any decent backup players that can come in and replace them. Because that's where I think the problem is. Players like Morgan Fox, players like James Chester, we know he's gone now, and other players similar to that, like Stephen Fletcher. Imagine knew it didn't matter how really well he played, he was going to play over Fletcher because he's finished. Yeah, I, I agree. But you've, you've, also, you've also got to look at a way of... We didn't have much scintillating football at Stoke last season. No. Irrespective of the injuries, irrespective of anything else. But you looked at Man City, and I know the different games, different teams and different divisions. You look at Liverpool, they find a way of winning matches when they're playing rubbish, right? We have to find a way to win games ugly. If, you, if you're going to get anywhere near the playoffs, you need to, yeah, you have to be positive and you have to score goals, but you also have to make certain you don't lose matches when you're three up, and as we did against Cardiff when we drew, and you have to find more ways of coming out on the right side of those odd, odd goals. Because that's what cost us last season. We didn't have uh, a bit of luck, but more unfortunately, we didn't have the winning mentality to make certain we got over the line. Yeah, we didn't have fighters, did we, as Roy Keane had say. We didn't have people who'd, you know really have a go at the players around him and I think that's been a problem for us for years is is people taking their own responsibility for their positions because they know they're playing every week I think it does make a big impact if you've got a different squad mentality and I think the, one of the biggest problems I had with last season was tactically because of Michael O'Neill had one way of playing you know off the bench he was just playing just bringing on a player for player rather than tactically changing because it's like Cardiff we knew they were coming and no change come till after the second goal went in. And then the third goal went in because they weren't prepared for the tactical change. Yeah. For me, that's got to be addressed and it's got to be addressed this summer. We've got to start bringing in two ways of playing, a plan A and a plan B. City do it. 
not to a great effect, but City do it where they'll drop to a more defensive system by bringing on a Rodri or bringing on a Fernandinho who's now left. But that's what they do. There's a bit of a tactical change when games are going against them. We don't have that and that's why so many times, I think last season we are one of the championship record holders for, for losing games and winning positions. Yeah, we were. And that's that's one of the big things that's coming up which is going to be around Michael, Michael O'Neill's neck when it comes to next season because he's got to figure out a way of changing us tactically to to play differently when, when we're, the game's going against us because obviously bringing in wingers when we're, we haven't got them could make a big impact. I think another thing that we've got to do is stick with the same style of play. I don't think we should be uh, changing our style of play. Yeah, in-game, if something's not working, players, players should be able to do that. But we, we seem to, to switch our style a lot. And um, I know that at lots of press conferences, he says, well, uh, we let them worry about us. I don't think we do. I think when we're playing a lot of the time, um, we, we try and set up to a certain extent, more about how they play than about ourselves. And and the other thing which we haven't mentioned, which I think would make a massive difference, and I know it's chicken and egg, is the crowd getting behind the team. Not just for the bits when we score, not just for the bits when the refs against us, for, for the whole game, because we don't get that inspirational uh, effect from the fans anymore. Where I, I'll always go back to the game against Man City where we had 10 men, do you remember? And, the la- and we won 1-0. Yeah, the BT, yeah. And the last 15-20 minutes when those mm. players were out on the feet, that roar went around the stadium and it got us over the line. And I know it's the Premier League, but there's nothing now. There's nothing like that now in, in the Stoke fans. Um, that and a bit of luck and I think we'll be OK. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when the Stoke fans are are in full applause it's it's a frighteningly loud place I've got to be honest in the the team under Pulis really revved off that but Pulis knew how to rev off that um, he made it more of a family connection didn't he with how his team set up because they knew they were playing every week but they would run through a brick wall for Tony now the thing is with this is that for me I don't think Michael O'Neill's got that same mentality and the fans are very disillusioned I am Ange I've got to be honest I'm I'm you know, I've, I've, it's some. I'll be honest. Last season, I couldn't wait for the season to end that much. That I wasn't even. I didn't even really want to go because because it, it was well, like. Well, and I think a lot of people were like that. And and the days of of the the raw guttural experience of going to what was the Britannia Stadium, you know, where it was freezing cold and and Arsenal. It wasn't just Arsenal we hated, though we hated them more than most. You know, and and nobody wanted. Well, it's called the bear pit for a reason, right? Well, call it the armpit now, would you? There's nothing happened. <laughs> armpit. <laughs> it, it does have a bit of a smell, doesn't it? Sometimes. Oh no, that's Vale. Oh, sorry, that's Vale Park. Um, no, it, I I agree with you. In, in but things have got to improve on the pitch to make an impact. I mean, if we well, to be honest. I, I agree with you and disagree with you because at the start of last season... Just a typical bloke. Well, yeah, we're always right. That's why I'm... No, we're not. We're never right. <laughs> Women are always right. We've got to learn that quick. But, you know, when we, we had that good start to the last season, the fans were loud. I was there. It was great. I've, I've, I remember sitting there saying to me, mate, who goes? I goes, I think this is getting similar to where it was when we got promoted last time because we were up for it. The crowd was going. The songs were flying up. And... It felt it, but then we give them that, and then they let us down, Ange. 
So it, it comes on both sides. You know, the performances have got to come. And we all know, because we, we had Pulis as manager, he, he was the best manager in my lifetime as a Stoke fan. But he brought boring, rubbish football. Well, it wasn't rubbish, but it was boring a lot of the time. There was great games in there, but it was boring. Long ball up, knock down, in we go, bang. But, it, but listen to how loud the crowd, crowd were. They didn't care as long as we were winning. The problem is at the moment, Andrew, we've come from being in a position where it looked like we could break into the top six to being a team that can't even break in the top half of the championship. And the fans are delusioned. Okay, so with the fact that Etebo is going to go, well, we think Etebo's going to go, I still think there's a good player in there, but he ain't going to play for Stoke. And, and Benny Afobi, as some people call him, Benny Afobi, he will be gone. Um, they'll probably go on free transfers. Do you think that uh, we will get one, possibly two uh, strikers, a target man and a different type of striker in uh, with, with the wages that that will release or how do you think we will spend those wages we haven't got a winger as I've said I'm still not sure we've got a right back or a left back I know you mentioned Morgan Fox Tommy Smith went I didn't think he was that brilliant but he did a job do you think we will use any of those wages and do you think we'll be able to get better replacements in well it's it's free well when you look at Etebo going Smith going Chester going, Fletcher's gone as well. He would have been on decent money. There's there's coming on two hundred grand's worth of wages that have gone this summer, especially if Joe Allen goes as well. So if Joe goes, that's that's forty to fifty grand gone as well. Yeah. Now in the modern championship market, when we look at the players that are out there and, and players that will be available for nothing, and you've got to remember we have got Lewis Baker for next to nothing other than a signing on fee. So there is good players out there. It's up to the club to go and find them. For me. I've said this before with France, because of the, the major financial crisis in France with their TV deal falling through two years ago and pretty much all 19 clubs except PSG were put up for sale instantly. There's a good market in France there to take advantage of. And at the moment, they're the best production line of young talent in the world. You know, look at the amount of incredibly young, talented players that are coming out of France. You know, Kante come out the second tier, third tier, sorry, of, of French football at the time. So... For me, we should be taking advantage of there, which which could go in a favour with Josh Magic because Bordeaux have gone down to the second tier. We could probably get him for a million if we push, but it all depends. Would you, on... would you would you take him? I would take him as long as we can give him a full pre-season and get him up to speed. Because last season, and I've, I've said this about the transfer system before, the transfer system proved to me that it still doesn't know what it's doing. Even though for four years, John Coates and Tony Scholes have said, yes, we've learned his lesson. I, can't, I still haven't seen any evidence of this because Josh Madge is a perfect example. When you bring a lone player in, he's coming for one reason, one reason only. Instantly come into that team and make a difference. He hadn't played for eight months and hadn't trained for six months. Never a good signing. But I would take him, yeah. I would take him as long as it's a, a deal that's right for both because we've got to make a lot of signings, Ange. It's not a do with bringing in four or five. I mean, you've said that you want six players coming in. If we bring six players in, yeah, as long as they're good enough for the first team. But we need five or six backup players here. We yeah. have not got a good enough squad to compete for the Championship and get up to the Premier League with our squad at the moment. We've got no, we have not got enough backup to put pressure on the first 11. No, I wouldn't disagree with you. Uh, and in other news, I know that uh, Neil Critchley has gone from Blackpool to Aston Villa. And one of the players, um, one of sorry, one of the people that they're looking at to replace him, Michael Duff and Dean Holden, 
And the reason they're looking at Dean Holden and Michael Duff is because they want an up-and-coming manager with a record of developing young players. Now, if if our manage, if our assistant manager um, goes, then that's fine. But it does mean um, that Stoke are trying to build for the future using the young players. And I think that the likes of Forrester, the likes of Taylor, we've seen suited already. Um, they, they've got a chance of making it. Campbell is now looked upon as one of our own players because he spent quite a lot of time in the academy. DiMaggio Wright-Phillips, is he going to come through and do a job, do you think? Not next season, no. Right. Dean Holden going doesn't really bother me as an assistant manager. It, 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 if he's going to go off That's to... if Matt. he goes, yeah. Yeah, if, if he goes, obviously. I mean, it's a bit of a strange one because he, he didn't do well in his first season at Swindon, was he? Where did he go? But he, he didn't do well as a manager, so it's up to them, really, and it's But... The model of bringing through good young players is good as long as you've got a spine. As long as you've got a good spine, which have been shown with Man United in the past when they brought through, you know, the famous ninety class of ninety two. You know, it's all well and good having a good young side as long as you've got a team of good spine players to bring them through. I don't think we have, and that's where I'm looking at why I think we're so inconsistent at the moment, is because we're trying to focus so much on young players that we're forgetting that we've got no spine. I think the midfield is a big problem, but it's it's a good model. You know, we want to bring academy players through. We want to make money off these kids when we, when they come through. We've already done it with Nathan Collins. I think if it wasn't for the injury, I think a big offer would eventually come in for Tyrese Campbell. And I think Harry Suter would have been the same if he had had a full season and played well. I think a Premier League club would have taken a punt on him. But When you talk about Nathan Collins, and, and whilst we were all really sad to see him go, Stokes' world didn't fall apart when we lost Nathan Collins. Um, and I suspect we are going to now talk about Josh Tymon and the rumour that uh, he may well be um, on his way to Rangers. What do you think about that? I'm hearing rumours it's true. And it's obviously there's been some kind of interest or contact because it's in the news. And I, I spoke to an agent many years ago and he said, no link is out of nothing. He, he said that. He said that to me. No link comes out of fresh air. There's a re, there is something behind it, even if it's just a phone call, maybe a, an interesting look from an agent going. It's come from somewhere. Now Rangers haven't got a left back and haven't haven't for the whole of last season as well. They've been playing a centre back at left back in Bassey. Now Bassey's a player I'd take at Stoke without a question, because he'd, he'd suit our left centre back beautifully. But I could see them being interested in time and but. You know, they, they haven't got five million to spend from what my friends who are Rangers fans, and I'm a bit of a Rangers fan as well. Um, I don't think they've got five million to spend. But plus, I would want a little bit more for time, and to be honest. Well, I mean, King of the Nutmegs in the Championship, um, you'd think that I'd add a couple of million on too. I, I'm I'm amazed that you think that Rangers would be after time, and to be honest, because I know that you're not a big fan of Joshua's. Well, he didn't just win the Nutmeg Championship, he won the Standing Round With Your Mouth Open Championship as well, which I think is what really impressed Rangers, because they thought, well, imagine him on that left side. Um, I I don't believe, I mean, Rangers, if they're buying him to be a left-back, good luck, because we've seen him for two, three years, majorly unimpressing when he's played as a left-back. He can't defend. So, if they were to pay £5 million for a left-back that will fail for them, then... That would be all right for me. I'm not his biggest fan, but I'm not his worst enemy as well. I think there's a good player in time, and it's just that he needs players to bring him into play. We've all, we've seen it so many times when he was playing with Thompson, where Thompson was passing him through and getting him away, and he looked well. But 
you know, if five million comes in, you have to take, you have, you have to snap the hand off because we need a left back anyway. If he wants to go back to that system where we play four, two, three, one, one, whatever it was, where he played before when he first came and it won and we started winning games and scored a lot of goals, you can't have Josh Tarman as a left back because he's he's he can't defend. And if we no, get... I, I mean, and if you could get five million for him, you'd probably, given the market Stoker shopping in the at the moment, you'd probably get two fullbacks for him. But uh, what is he? He's twenty four years now. He's twenty four years of age, isn't he? And uh, whatever we think of him, he's probably been one of our better players over the last season. But for me, um, I think he needs to be a much better player. But he has been uh, one of our attacking threats the last season and, and sometimes even with his horrible crosses sometimes he was our only threat yeah yeah at times yeah I mean his crosses were a bit hit and miss don't get me wrong but the thing is with time and I look at him as a player and I think he's in the right position he's a left wing back isn't he he's never a wing and he's never a left back so he's a left wing back isn't he now the, the problem is with that is that if we'd stick with a time and we, we can only play that way with him in the team because we've we've tried it how many how many years have we tried him at a left back and he's really unimpressed anti we had to loan him out yeah. we, we he couldn't get in the team under Jones Rowett loaned him out you know for me if we can get five million pound I'd cash in that and get him gone and we might be able to then get Jamal Lewis on a, on on a cheap deal to replace him now he can play left back and left wing back so he'd be a great addition to our side I know you don't like him because he turned us down in January. But he turned down Burnley in January as well, and so it's not just us. No, true, it's not just us. Uh, I will, I'll, um, I'll go along with that. But uh, again, I'm still concerned about, um, you know, we're not going to be in a position to um, get players in on, on massive salaries. Uh, we are going to be shopping in some form of basement buckets and whichever way you look at it, that means that some of these players probably won't hit the floor running and we'll probably end up going for loans. And if we're going for loan players, then um, you've said Liam Dillap. Would you take Jaden Philogene Badace again from Aston Villa? Would you look at Keenan Davis? I don't think Taylor Harwood Bellis will be up for coming back because it looks like his loan was successful for him uh, because no other clubs are looking at him on a permanent basis. He'll be able to pay the the fee wanted. Yeah, Orwood Bellish by the looks of it's going to Burnley as a replacement for Collins from what I'm hearing because Castle are very interested. Um, I wouldn't take Philogene Bedace because I don't think he's ready yet. I don't think his body is ready for it yet. I think there's a good player there, we all agree, but I don't think he's ready for first team football yet. There's a lot of young lads I've seen in the past where they've come in and got injuries. Time uh, Campbell's one. I think Campbell started playing regular football, his body couldn't hack it and he got an injury. And there's many other players in his past that have done that and I think Philogene Bedace was the same. He broke onto the scene, we thought, here we go, we've got a really talented, skillful player and then he got an injury, come back and got an injured, injured again. I just don't think he's body-wise, well, but yeah, I just don't think he's got the physique yet ready to be play man's, men's football, which is why I wouldn't take, because I think he'd be injured a few times if we did. I'd, I'd give him another year then give him an opportunity to get out on loan. And I think that he'd impress. But I think at the moment, he, he's, he's just not physically ready for men's first-team football. OK. And then, um, going back to the striking position, um, um, if we're shopping in the bargain basement, 
if I said to you there's a guy who's looking for a club who's got long hair, who's been injured a few times in the past and would be available and has scored goals, would you look at Andy Carroll? Oh, this is it now. Final time now. This is the final time we're mentioning Andy Carroll because if we carry on, it might happen. Yes or no? That's definite no. <laughs> I wouldn't take him on. His, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him. Did have to pay us to take him. To be honest, you know, if he's not good enough for Reading, he's not good enough for West Brom. He's barely completed sixty games in the last five years. He's only scored what eight goals in that time. Why would we be entertaining an offer like Andy Carroll? Because that for me is a, another. If we sign him this season, that's a perfect example of us not learning the lessons from three years ago. Just getting players yeah. who are good on paper, but in reality aren't as good as we think. And with our luck, he would come on, uh, sporting his ponytail, somebody'd stand on it, and he'd be out for six months injured. Yeah, but he will. That, that's the truth. Like we, we might be thinking it's a joke, and st- I know what Stoke Board are looking at. They're going, "Oh, six years ago, he could hit find the back of the net." Andy Carroll, he's just been unlucky. Not for five, not for six years, he hasn't been unlucky. He's been injured all the time, and that's because he's done. You know, I don't know why he hasn't retired. Same thing happened to Daniel Story, same kind of injury. And he's now playing in, in Australia. And that's the best place for an Andy Carroll, somewhere abroad where they don't mind, where, where he's, you know, a, a big name signing for and where he'll sell shirts. We aren't at that level. We're trying to get promoted and we're not going to get promoted with a man on his side in the physio, physio bench rather than out on the pitch scoring goals. No, uh, so summing up then, I think we need... I've said we need six players, okay? How many do you think we need? Because you know, talking about backup players to the backups. Um, well, I don't think we've got backup full stop. Um, I'd definitely say about 11, 12 players, if it was, if it was me. If, if we want a real mount, and a, you know, to really push to try and get promotion this season, we've got to have a first 11 and backups. And I don't think we've got them. I mean, I think we need... if we Because let's be honest, we need, I think we have got a winger there in Dowerty, but is he... Ready for first team, I'm not sure. Right, Phillips for me should be going out on loan. We've got Campbell who can play on the right, but can play up front as well. There's a lot of can do this rather than get players who are going to fit in that role. For me, next season, I don't think we'll make the playoffs, but as long as we build a spine of a team that we can add flair onto next year, that's what I'm looking for. But if we realistically want to try and push to the top three or push to the playoffs, we need six players for the first team. And I think we need four or five back up to push them and keep them driven to play the best they can. Because if we, we can bring six players in, but if there's no one behind them to put pressure on them, why should they have to try as hard? They've got the contract, they've got the club. It's up to them, isn't it? But I think yeah. we need a fair few players. And we'll put that out to the people about how many people they, you know, the listeners think. They can tell me how many players they believe and we'll talk about it round next week. I'm looking at the transfer window... And, and the way the situation is. And then you you look at how many players we had last season in that January transfer window. I thought that was a good window, but it didn't happen, did it? No, that's what I mean. It, it was a good... But the thing is, when we look at that window, how many players came in that were playing regular football out of all them? Madger wasn't. Poet Bellish wasn't. Um, who else did we sign? Oh, our Philadine Badesi wasn't playing football. Anywhere else we signed, who I can't remember anyway. Um, the only one who played well, who was who was playing well at the club he was before, was Phil Jagielka. He was going to be Derby's Player of the Year till he left to come Stoke. 
he's the only one that that's impressed at Stoke because he's been playing. And this is where he emphasised so well that, you know, you bring a player who's confident and informed from a lower division or from a lower club and get him into our first team, he can bring people around him to get that way. Yeah. Whereas Josh Madrew hadn't played football for eight months and hadn't trained for six months, it, it was just a... A, a national dull was it? You're not you're not going to get a player who hasn't played football for eight months and six. But he's not going to score the goals. Get you up? It's stupid. For yeah. me, there's one player there that I think we can get. It might cost a bit of money, but it's money that the coach family have got. They can they can liquidise it into bet three six five like they always do. For me, you've got you've got Harris there at Peterborough, who's got a proven track record of scoring goals since he's dropped to the level. He scored fourteen goals last season and got relegated with Peterborough. For me, he's number one target. He's the right age to come to the club. He's 27, 28. So he's got four or five years left of goal scoring in him. And he'd score goals for us. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. So so of the players that you think that we could get realistically from other clubs, name four players that you think we will get this summer that will go into our team running and um, you know set the club on fire and get us in the playoffs. Well, if I was putting so four, you want four. Realistic, well, not. Six, go on, go for six. Um, six. Goalkeeper, I'd take. Um, who was? It? Who did I say? I, oh, the goalkeeper, I'd take Gavin Bazuna on loan from yeah, Man City. Yeah, from Man City. Um, I think he'd make a big addition. I think he's he's young, but he's ready. He proved last season on loan he was ready, and I think City would be willing to loan him out again because he's not going to take over Edison. So he's number one. Uh, now, right back, I'd take Sterling from Chelsea. Again, on a season-long loan. Can play right back and can play right wing, wing back. He'd be my choice for that role. Left back, I'd take Jamal Lewis from from Castle. Because he's a good player that's just got lost at a horrifically run club over the years. I think he needs a move. And I think linking up with Michael O'Neill, the man who got the best out of him internationally, would be a nice little... Because he'd instantly know how to play him. Because he can play left back and left wing back. So if if we do change the formation and go with a five at the back, these players are already ready to go into those positions. We don't have to make subs. So I'm looking at it in both directions. They're them two players for me at wing back. Holding midfield, I've said it about nine times. Max Bird from Derby County, very young but very quick, very dynamic, incredibly good at getting forward and back at the same time to do his other role. I think he'd be a great box to box addition. He pushes up the pitch and support the midfield and then drop back when you know we lose the ball. He's my choice for there. Cam would be that lad from Shrewsbury, if I could remember his name. I'll have a look and I'll say it next week, I'll remember who it is, that young Cam. Now he'd come in, it would be Powell first choice, but I think he would break in because of Powell's injury problems. Um, now who else was a signing? Oh yeah, Harry St. Peterborough is the new striker. And left wing, I'd probably take as a backup as Rabbi Matondo. I'd bring him back. I think after that impressive loan, he's only got one year left on his deal at Chalky. Nice, easy deal. They'll be desperate to get rid because they don't want him. Go for it. And to be honest, I'd take Madger as well as backup if if we could get a deal that's right for us. Because like we said, financially, it's all on how much we can spend, isn't it? So it all comes together in the way it does. But they're, they're some of the names that I'd take. What about you, Anne? I wouldn't disagree with anything you've said, but the one thing that's more important that any, than anything is that whoever comes as a player, then they've got to play on the front foot this season and they've got to play with energy and they've got to stop this sideways, backwards passing 
Um, because if it doesn't matter if you've got Mbappe and Messi in your team, if you keep passing sideways and backwards, you ain't going to win anything. And the crowd will turn very quickly if we don't have some more energy when we play this year. Well, that comes down to the manager, doesn't it? If we're playing sideways passes and that, that comes down to the manager. He's, he's set them up to play like that, Auntie. You know, we've ne- we've seen in the past where well, this is the thing that I find odd, and we'll quickly talk about this because somebody said this to me the other day, and I, and I answered this, and I thought, oh, that's a good point actually. When Michael O'Neill didn't have his own players, he actually performed better than he has done with his own. Yeah. Which is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because when he yeah, first comes to it is, the... but if if you're looking at the season as a whole, right, the best defender, Ali Suter. Um, your best striker at the time was Tyrese Campbell. Your most creative player, Nick Powell, were injured. And they were injured for the majority of the season, right? That that would have made an, a big difference to anybody, right? And if they aren't injured, then we'll obviously finish much better than the 14th. But if you tighten up defensively and you stop conceding the goals, you've still got to score the goals. And unless we can recruit a cast-iron striker to score the goals, I don't think we're going to get much difference. No, I agree. I, I believe it's not just that those, the striking position as well. I believe it's it's a revamp in midfield. That's why I'm looking at Max Beard, because he's so good at running with the ball. He, he, he reminds me of um, Nzonzi in ways when I watch him at Derby. He picks the ball up deep and bombs it up the pitch, which is what we need, really. We need somebody, because the problems of our midfield, they haven't got the energy to run past people. They haven't got the ability on the pass to beat people with a pass. So the problem is we're very laboured in midfield to sideways passes and then relying on what? Nick Powell to maybe scrape us forward with a free kick. That's where our problem lies. It's the midfield in the, in the wings. Now, timing is quite quick, but... Jamal Lewis is faster. And if we had wingers to, to overlap and support, it's for me, Andrew, I've said it so many times, it's the way we set up that goes against us. Because we've got no energy in midfield, the wing-backs aren't quick enough and can't get back. We haven't got an oldie midfielder to protect the defence. And then the strikers are just walking around aimlessly up front on their own because we didn't have Nick Powell to support them behind. So we've got to yeah, make sh- and, sure... and we have dominated possession in lots of games. I'm still lost... Yeah, that's what I mean. And that, that proves that it doesn't matter how good you are passing the ball. So Joe Allen's a big problem with that. Joe Allen's awful at it. He's terrible at just passing to the man who's open rather than trying to get things moving. I'd rather a man, Joe Allen, lose the ball six, seven times in a game trying to make a clever pass that gets us away rather than passing it to his, to Vrancic who's open next to him and then the defender goes near him and he passes it back to him. That's the way we play. And it's it's boring and it's rubbish. Now, that comes down to the manager and how we play tactically, but he hasn't got the players. For this formation, you've got to have extremely quick midfielders and wing-backs to play this system. You have to be able to bomb forward and bomb back if you lose the ball. We haven't got the players for it. This is why Nathan Jones failed at Stoke, because he had to go with what he got, was given no real money to come in as backup. Yeah, I I can't disagree with anything you say. Um... We we lost a lot of games as well, right? Let's forget about the injuries and, and the players we need in. We lost a lot on individual mistakes last year. 
just individual mistakes. Yeah, but it, it will open up for that. Like I said, when, when we're playing football, it's so tight because we're, we're, we're dropping deep. We're trying to... Because, let's be honest, the game starts going against us quite early. Because we, we, we normally start... Well, we, we, basically, the thing that's got to fix with us is stop being a one-half team. Because now... Yeah, for the, and I think also, Ian, if you look at the amount of stupid points we gave away last season, conceding when we were ahead, if you stop that, right... Then, then you're easily going to pick up more points and win more matches. Yeah, but that's going to happen with young players, Ange. It's yeah, going, it's yeah. going to happen with young players. The, the, the thing is, like I've said so many times, when for me, when you've got young players, you need good, you need like I say with United, the, the class of '92. Those young lads, if they were in any other side, might not have made it. But because there was yeah. a great spine with you know Pally Stickeen, Brian Robson, you know the forwards and Cantona and Mark Hughes, you know they had a spine. So that when these young lads of flair came in, there was people to protect them if, if they made mistakes. Yeah. The problem is the problem is with us, we haven't got those players. You know, we're looking at a forty year old and then we're looking at who? Ben Wilmot, he's young himself. You've yeah, got... I mean the defence was in my opinion probably um too inexperienced and, and so would make mistakes and, and I don't think the goalies inspired a great deal of confidence throughout the season well he's a young um, lad as well isn't he and that, that... yeah but the midfield was overrun once Powell was out the midfield was overrun uh, Joe Allen couldn't do it all on his own and then Baker comes along and helps and Joe Allen looks a better player other teams are going to know they're going. if our midfield doesn't change this summer other teams are going to look at our midfield like we do and like other fans do and say well we'll pick them off in the midfield yeah, you, it know, is you that, can't that's... win ugly and you can't stop goals going in if, if you've got no midfield. The, 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 art, the art of midfield is, is quite simple for me. And the problem is, when, what we I've said this so many times, we, we keep bringing in the identically same player over and over again when it comes to midfield. You, you know, we've brought in, what, four... We've had four... No, three goals at bringing an oldie midfielder. We brought Jordan Thompson in, who, for me, isn't a holding midfielder. He's done all right there. But it's not his position. For me, he'll always be a squad player, Thompson, and a decent one at that. But you look at, we brought Sawyers in to be a holding midfielder. He's no holding midfielder. To be honest, I, 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 I don't know where I play him. He's, well, he's, he's all right high up, isn't he? But you look at them, they're all the same player. You know, Klukas is just a slightly better version of Thompson. You look at so, a few other the players, they're all identical. But not. But what's the one thing none of them have all got? Yeah. Pace. None of them yeah, have got pace. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if you've got pace and you've got the mental capacity to grind out wins, because um, look, all, winning sport at all levels, right? Particularly professionally, you've got to have guts and you've got to have a, a, a winning mentality more than anything else at certain times. And it's. I've always said that there's a difference between people who don't want to lose and people that that hate losing so if you want to win that's different than somebody that hates losing the hates losing will always defeat somebody that wants to win however hard they want to win the person that hates losing will always have one over you because they just dig deeper mentally yeah that's what I mean a winner's a winner you can always tell a winner I don't think Joe Allen's a winner personally I don't, I don't think he was I think other players like Leon Britton was the winner in that Swansea team that went up and won the League Cup and got promoted Leon Britton was the spine of that uh, Swansea side but he was never going to leave Swansea he, apparently no. Brendan Rodgers tried signing he missed out on him so he went for his, the younger lad and Joe Allen I don't think he's a winner he proved that when he came to the club 
giving him the captain's armband makes no sense for me. Harry Suter should be the captain without any questions. We don't want him to go anywhere. The truth is, for me, it comes down to... You can have you can have a midfielder. Don't get me wrong. Roy Keane was one. Roy Keane never had pace apart from when he was really young. But yeah. what he had was a great defensive nous, and he wouldn't. He doesn't take losing. So if players around him, if you didn't pull your weight, like when Ben Wilmot made that mistake, imagine if Roy Keane was on that pitch and he made that mistake. He'd rip him in yeah. half. Same as John Walters, Johnny Walters. Back in the day, yeah. Johnny Walters. If he saw a mistake like that, he'd rip your head off. He'd say yeah. you cost us today. But I don't think Joe Allen's got that mentality. I don't think there's anybody in that squad that'll go and rip somebody's head off for making a mistake or or being stupid. or Because, I mean, time, when he's standing around with his mouth open, not getting involved. You did, somebody, somebody should be coming over there and start moving you. You know, right. we, we, we haven't got him. And when You're I look, absolutely right. And when I look at him, it, it's like we can have as much quality in the world. And we have got it. We've got real quality there. We've got branches you can take a... A corner and free kick, that's all he can do. But as long as that becomes a good weapon, it, it doesn't matter. Rory Dlap was, was not the best midfielder in the world, but his long throw got us goals. So it yeah. made him important. You know, the problem is with us is that we've got so many midfielders that are all identical, but none of them have got the key ingredient that makes a good midfielder. It's incredibly skillful pass, tough leadership skills, or pace. So instantly we've got six midfielders who are all well paid, but none of them can... You know, Jan Mulby. Let's look at him. He was a big lad once. He was never fit and had, definitely had no pace, but could thread the ball like a needle, like a needle through, a, through a dress. Incredible pass through the ball. Now, if we had him there, fair enough, because he'd, he'd get his team away and get his strikers away with a great pass. But we haven't got one of them. And then we've got nobody who can run past a man and, and really put pace into the team. So that's his problem with the midfield. We've, we've already discussed it a while ago. It doesn't matter who we've got up front with this team at the moment with that midfield. Because he won't, we're never going to get anywhere apart from passing sideways. No, I can't disagree with um, anything that you're, you're really saying, but um, we are where we are. And on the 20th of uh, June, I think it is, the pre season starts, and we'll all be um, back raring to go. I mean, just uh, I noticed while you were talking a minute ago that. Um, if you look at Josh Tymon's involvement, he had direct goal involvement five times in 772 minutes. He scored one goal in 3,859 minutes. He had 32 shots, 11 on target. His shots ratio was 34.4. His goal conversion ratio, ratio was 3.1. His assists were four, and his chances created were 54. Um, I think he's probably worth more than five million to us, but um, I'm not sure that with those set assists and as you know the, the assessment of how good he is, I'm not so sure you'd get more than five million for him. Well, the, the two ingredients that you've just told us there are, are the most important, aren't they? One goal and how many assists? Uh, five. That that's Sorry, not. four assists. That's not good enough. It's as simple as that. It's not good enough. If he's well, if like, he was in a top championship side, he'd probably get ten plus assists. I don't. I don't know, Ange. The problem is, and I've said this so many times, it's it's all on what suits the team and the manager. And yeah. if a player doesn't suit, but he, he can play, 
you know, obviously we'll we'll talk more about this next week about stats yeah. and, and where well, the players go, lie. If I sold him, and I know we're about to finish, if I sold him at the minute, I'd go for Buchanan at Derby. Oh yeah, Lee Buchanan's a good choice. Yeah, I'd say, like I say, I'd rip that. If I if I was my colonial, I'd go right. He is he is eight million. We want seven of your players. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's exactly. that's that's what I'd do because they've got they've got everything we need. Buchanan, yeah. left back, Everbeasy. The right winger, um, Max Beard is for me the number one priority for our team, and then you've got the other player, the Cam Louis Sibley, brilliant young player. They've got a great young squad, they really have, and that's the difference though. Ange, look at their young players and look at ours. They've only had a season and a half of first team football, and everybody wants them. You know, if it wasn't yeah. for the financial problems of Derby, Max Beard would be worth about twenty million. Yeah. Whereas yeah. ours. Yeah, right, Phillips, is he, do you reckon there's people knocking on the door for him? No. Is anybody no. knocking on the door for Campbell? No. Is anyone no. knocking on the door for any other, uh, Sparrow? No. Is anyone coming in for Forrester? No. Maybe Connor Taylor because he's impressed at Bristol Rovers, but you're not talking any more than a million, are you? That's the difference. No. Whereas the Academy at Derby's producing, whereas ours isn't. Not to a yeah. vitally yeah, big right. experience. Ready, Andrew, it's been an interesting podcast. We've covered it and we want everybody to get involved next week with what they, how many players they believe we need to bring in. And we're going to talk about more stats-based players and look at how good our players actually have been, Angie. Excited? I'm over the moon. That, didn't, that sounded a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your week, everybody. Let's look forward to Stato here next week. Right. Thanks for listening as always. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you add us and get involved with it. We've also got the group page, which is the Potters, which I put questions up every week so you can get more involved. Always put interesting stuff on, mainly like this week, obviously, there's been the kits. And if you struggling to listen to us, we're on every podcast platform. So if you listen to this and it's something you don't normally listen to, just type it in the podcast provider that you listen to and you'll find it easy. Just put the Potts podcast in. If you do listen through iTunes, I know I'm begging every week, but if you can give us a five-star review, it means a hell of a lot to the podcasts. And there we go. So thanks for listening. Ta-ra. All the best. <laughs>